This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. I never wanted it to be just a a flower company. I wanted to create a brand around it. I wanted it to look very different than everyone else. Uh, I wanted, if someone saw one of our bouquets, I wanted them to know it was one of our bouquets without seeing our name on it. And so I put a lot of thinking into like, how can I do that? How can I, you know, create like a Nike swoosh on our flowers? Because every, you know, flowers are flowers. This was Christina Stemble, the founder and CEO of Farm Girl Flowers, an integrity-driven, direct-to-consumer flower shop that is changing an archaic industry by infusing heart and soul. Farm Girl is on track to bring in $32 million this year. Enough said, let's hear from Christina on her story of crafting a beloved brand while being 100% bootstrapped. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here, Fabian. Oh, likewise, likewise. So last night, after I put together my first draft of questions for this podcast with you, I I usually end up diving deeper and do much more research once I get home. But I have to admit, last night, I I had a really long day in LA traffic, and I just decided to pour myself a glass of wine and recline into the bathtub instead of doing more research. But then I grabbed the first magazine, which happens to be the November edition of Inc., And what greets me? A two-page ad for Capital One, and you are the star in it. (laughs) it You can't get away from me, even when you tried. (laughs) It was hilarious. So I got both. I got more research time, and I got relaxation time, and that's how it works in life, right? Exactly. It's amazing. (laughs) Best of both worlds. I know. So how how did you get into the business of selling flowers direct to consumer? How did that idea come up, and when did you actually take the leap into full-on entrepreneurship? Yeah, it came up um, back in 2010. Um, I should mention, though, before this idea, I had probably 4,000 other ideas, uh, none of them about flowers, though. So um, I like to kind of dispel the the belief system that we tend to have, especially about women in creative businesses, that it must be like their passion in life. Like I must have grown up frolicking in my grandmother's garden or something like that, because that wasn't the case. Um, I wanted to start a business, though, and I wanted it to be able to be big. Um, I wanted it to do something good. I wanted it to solve a real problem. And I wanted uh, to be able to actually change an industry, to actually innovate in a space and not just do something the same way that it's been done, you know, over and over again. Um, I live in Silicon Valley, so I saw so many people doing really innovative, cool things. And so that kind of opened up the floodgates of my brain thinking, I could do that in an industry too. And so I came up with with the idea for for Farm Girl and for flowers in particular, because I was working at Stanford University and one of the departments I oversaw did events for the law school. And I saw how much money we were spending on flowers. So at first, I just started researching the space from that perspective of why do flowers cost so much? And I very quickly, uh, you know, went down several other rabbit holes of research Mm -hmm. when I found out that the e-commerce space was really comprised of like three companies that dominated. And I 
you know, it would bring me back to an actual problem I had in my life, which was when I would send my mom flowers in Indiana, I was forced to use one of those companies because she lived too far from a local florist. And I hated the whole process. So I was like, oh my gosh, I started researching that. And I was like, oh, it looks like so many people hate that whole process. They don't think that the the value prop is good for what they're spending. They're not getting, you know, a bouquet that represents them as a consumer. Um, What they get isn't what they that, you know, what they see isn't what they get anyway. Um, you know, when they order something, they think it's going to be this and it's that when it comes, mm-hmm. um, it ends up costing like $80 and it looks like it came from the grocery store for $10 and they weren't happy with the customer experience of, you know, if they weren't happy and then they had to go offshore to a customer service department somewhere that would try to rectify it, but just send the, an equally lackluster bouquet again. So there was just a lot of similarities in what I was finding in researching the other people's experiences aligned with mine. And I thought, well, this looks like it, it's an actual, you know, space in an industry that needs some some change and nobody's done anything since the mid-90s. Mm. Now with some like, you know, uh, nine years of experience under my belt, I kind of understand why a lot of, you know, people probably had very similar ideas before me and didn't do them because perishability is really, really hard. Yeah. But with my naivety back then, I thought I'm the first one to think of something uh, to transform this industry and let me let me try it. So um, I, you know, laid out all the problems as I saw it and then came up with a solution, which was the farm girl model where we limit the choice for consumers. Um, and that allows us to reduce our waste by about 40%, which allows us to use higher quality stems um, that don't look like they came from the grocery store and create beautifully designed bouquets in-house. Um, so even if you're sending them to Bremen, Indiana or Dubuque, Iowa or somewhere really remote, you can get a designer quality bouquet shipped anywhere in the United States. So um, I looked at In-N-Out Burger as my inspiration because oh, back yeah. in 2010, yeah, nobody was doing like less is more. Everybody was doing more is more back then. So they were the only one that I could find that was like, you know, really limiting choice to consumers, but they were doing it really well and they had created a really great brand. Um, And so I thought I'm going to be the In-N-Out Burger for flowers. (laughs) So that's what I did. (laughs) And it's interesting because when we, when we chatted just a little bit before the podcast, um, you know, you said that you like that my podcast has this hyper focus, right? Instead of being everything for everyone. And I, I, I kind of created my entire consultancy around that too, that, you know, more focused, um, um, you know, and I, I think it's fair to say better options, um, you know, fewer options is 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 a holy grail. I mean, there's a lot yep. in there because you can actually hyper focus on what you what you give your give your clients. But one thing that I think is extremely interesting about what you ended up doing is that everyone comes to think that the flower industry would be no pun intended, but a green industry, right? But it is totally yep. not the case. It's actually exactly the opposite, right? There there are huge problems. Huge. I mean, it's it's like like you said. I would have thought that, and I thought, well, they're flowers; they decompose and all that. But all of the things that go with the flowers right. um, are not compostable, and many states they weren't even recyclable, like all of the the plastic wrap um, and all those things. Which is why we came up with alternatives to as much as we possibly could to make it greener and better for the environment. Everything we do is like how we can make it better for the environment and better in all the ways. So, so it kind of is farm to table part two. So, so now it's not only yeah. the food on your table, but it's also the flowers on your table. 
Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And knowing the ripple effect of knowing like, you know, even the food, like the packaging, the food comes in, you know, like it's things that I had never thought about before starting this that now I think about, I'm very, very focused on. Let's dig a little deeper into that because you actually uh, wrap your hand tight bouquets with reused burlap uh, coffee bags, right? Yes. From from local roasters because they all have them. How How did that idea take shape? And you know, I also wonder, are, are there enough cool burlap bags as you start taking over the world? <laughs> yeah, we're actually are having running into that problem right now. So we're having to like expand our thinking on that as well. Um, we're on a hunt for more burlap sacks. So if you're a roaster in the area and hear this, please let me know. Um, so uh, it actually started with wanting to create a brand, actually. So I think this is uh, like the burlap sacks were to be better for the environment. But also the second part of that was when I was thinking about how I was going to um, present my product, you know, like even when I was, you know, creating this, this flower company, I never wanted it to be just a, a flower company. I wanted to create a brand around it. I wanted it to look very different than everyone else. Uh, I wanted, if someone saw one of our bouquets, I wanted them to know it was one of our bouquets without seeing our name on it. And so there, I put a lot of thinking into like, how can I do that? How can I, you know, create like a Nike swoosh on our, on our flowers because every, you know, flowers are flowers, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. How, you know, how do I do that? And so the packaging was where um, the first, my first foray into creating a brand was through our packaging and the burlap was the start of that. Um, I came up with 14 different ideas of ways to wrap our product, um, thinking of what looks the best and also what's best for the environment. And then I just pulled a few of my friends to see which ones they liked the best. And it was almost unanimous. Everybody liked the burlap the best. I came up with that idea because of uh, potato sacks, actually, not coffee bags, mm. because I'm from Indiana. <laughs> and we don't have coffee there. So um, I thought potato sacks. But then when I researched California, where I'm at now, I, I was like, oh, nobody grows potatoes in California. So, But what we did have was coffee roasters. And so I thought, let me just reach out to them and see if I could buy their their, their bags. And was really fortunate that um, a few of them donated them to us to start. Um, and I've continued some big ones. Even Pete's Coffee donates their coffee bags to us now. So oh, wow. um, yeah, we've been really, it's been great because we can also... Um, help them. They don't have to put them back on a container to go back to South America. So it helps the environment even more, helps them cost-wise, and then we can upcycle them. And people love to upcycle them again after we send it to them too and just send us pictures of that. But it was really to create a brand and it, it worked. Um, one of my first like moments where I felt like the company is, was going to make it was about a year and a half in. And I had taken a, it was still in my apartment. The first two years I did it for my apartment. And I was walking to my car with three bouquets because someone called uh, like seven o'clock at night and asked for three bouquets. And so, it, you know, you'll take whatever order, even if it's at midnight when you're starting out. Oh, you absolutely. The money. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And I was walking to my my car, which in San Francisco, if you're familiar, you usually have to park like a mile away from your house, of course. <laughs> so I'm walking, hoofing it to my car with these bouquets. And three women were coming towards me. Um, on Van Ness Avenue in San Francisco. And one of them was, you know, exclaimed like, oh my gosh, is that Farm Girl Flowers? Just by seeing the burlap wrap on oh, wow. the bouquets. And I was like, it is. And she's like, oh, I love Farm Girl Flowers. And all three of the women started talking about how much they love Farm Girl Flowers. And they knew it from the burlap wrap um, that that's, that's who amazing. it was. So and I got like, I'm the Farm Girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I usually just like, oh, I work there. Cause then it makes it sound like it's way bigger than just me in my apartment. But you know. <laughs> that is such a, I mean, that's a, 
that's such an amazing brand moment because it really, like like you said, I mean, that's when you realized it actually is a brand now. It's not just yeah. a startup. It's not just flowers you would never notice. And you didn't have to put a swoosh on it. You didn't have to actually spell out and put a logo on it, which sometimes being branded like that can, can also backfire. Um, yeah. And so, so what's interesting to me is it, it sounds like, um, and I'm cheating because I read that, but, 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 but it's, it, it sounds like you totally bootstrapped, um, your business. Um, you actually yes. were scraping by, um, yep. <laughs> running yep. the business. And literally. Yep. <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, and so you had to invent. And so when, when you, when you basically start to come up with these, you know, these pieces of brand essence, um, by, by yourself or maybe with, with a few, you know, friends around the table, yep. um, when, when you had to decide how to how do we wrap our flowers? And you said you had about 10 different, you know, ideas. Um, and, and you decided on, on burlap because of um, it being a natural fit, no pun intended, for your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, did you at that point, and maybe even if it's just in your head, did you have certain like guiding principles for your brand where you said everything we do with farm girl flowers has to be a b and c you know has to be natural you know has to be sustainable has to be whatever did you have any of that um i think i i did but not like in a very formal way i had um i've had the one guiding light that I have for my company is that I want to create a company that I would want to buy from, sell to, and work at, those three things. And so it's kind of like my golden rule for the company. And so anytime I have a decision to make that I'm not sure about, I run it through that lens. And I'm like, well, would I want to work at a company that doesn't have benefits? No. So I need to get benefits for my team. Or mm-hmm. would I want to work at a company with this much waste? No. You know. So like all those things, it makes it very easy for me to decide what to do. Um, from there with that, that lens, I think for when I was creating the like brand around the product and still to this day, um, it really is just that we're creating a brand and products and an experience overall that all of us that work at farm girl would want to buy from and would want to, to, to get that product. Um, so it's, it's a very much a reflection of like, you know, when I came up with the aesthetic even for like what our bouquets would look like, you know, I got all the flower books and I looked on, you know, all of the, I looked all over Google and looked at what, you know, all the fancy florists that people were writing about were doing. And I was like, I don't, that's not reflective of me. I don't really like the styles of those bouquets. So I just created one that I would want to receive. And so it's, it's a very informal, but it's just like, you know, if we're, you know, I still am very active in product development. Me and one person on our team create almost all of the products that you see on our site. And, you know, it's very much like, what do I want to receive? And then when we don't know, we ask our customers now. So, you know, we just did a survey for when we started doing holiday products um, this summer, and we thought we'd get a couple hundred responses from our customers. We're just like, hey, tell us what you think. What products did you like? What do you want us to bring back? What new things do you want us to create? And we had thousands of responses. Mm -hmm. Like we were like, blown away because we were like they they weren't like a b c d they were like fill in the blank and tell us and people spent so much time telling us what they wanted and sending us pictures and things that i mean it was amazing we actually did not budget enough time to read them all because we were like oh my gosh so we all had to like yeah you know get all the managers everybody's taking a couple hundred a day <laughs> um it was it was but we were just blown away and that i think is a true reflection of you know people buy from farm girl not because they just love the product but they love the whole company around it and i feel so grateful for that we even we did a survey last year to find out why people bought from us and the number one was just about tied and it was they like our product and they like our company those two reasons it wasn't because and I, i was like 
what? Like our company has to do with like why you're buying from us. Yeah. They, they just really like our brand that we've created, which is exciting because that means that we can do other things besides flowers too, you know? Right, right. Which which you start doing. Uh, I, I, I see some yeah, hints on absolutely. that on your website. Yeah. So, so, so in, in the end, what do you think you actually ended up creating with your brand that is bigger than your offering? I think what we created, um, and this is, hesitate to use this word because it's you know what I'm going to say because it's so overused but we actually created an authentic brand like authentic circa 2000 or 1995 before everybody started using it and not really knowing what it means like we are never going to be that polished company where it's like really a couple you know male, white male founder sitting in an office in the financial district um, that's outsourcing everything to other people to make to 3PLs. And I was like, that's not us. Like we are right. like, we have so much heart into what we do. And we show that um, we show the behind the scenes every day on our Instagram stories. We, we talk about our failures with our, with our community. You know, we fail all the time. Like I make bad decisions. We learn from it. Like our most opened email was last January, last New Year's Day, where everybody was sending out their emails about like, oh, what an amazing year. Thank you for everything. And I sent an email, it's like, wow, this last year sucked. You know, <laughs> it was so bad. All these things went wrong. And you know what? We're going to make this year so much better and telling how we're going to make this year better. And people love that. I mean, we got, so, we got people like writing in in droves to like thank us for just keeping it real. Um, because I think like we just see shininess around us all the time now and it's not real. Right. So like we like to show shiny moments when they're, when they're real and when they're happening and we like to show all the unshiny moments. So people know that they're not alone. This happens to us all, you know, like we had a peony debacle. We call it peony again here this year at mother's day that like almost floored us with hundreds of thousands of dollars losses and stuff. Like we just, we tell the stories, um, so people know that we are truly approachable and we have a heart behind making their bouquets. And, you know, when people want to choose where to place their dollars and their support, they want to choose companies that they want to support with their dollars. And we're really fortunate that that tends to be us because we keep it real with them. Absolutely. And it's going to happen more and more with with the next generation. And it's a wonderful shift in a world that otherwise sees so many, so many problems with, uh, with transparency and authenticity. Um, I think yeah. there's a huge, huge shift right now. And it's great to see you be, be, be a part of that. And what I actually really enjoyed is uh, somewhere in your, in your many, many interviews, um, I read that you called mission-driven, you called it actually integrity-driven in a recent interview. And I really yeah. like that. I, I haven't really heard integrity-driven being used uh, as a phrase too often but it feels much more approachable in human than than mission driven actually to me yeah i think mission driven like anybody can pick a mission right and right. i actually found that i was having problems as we were growing and scaling because we had a mission like we had a lot of missions when we started out that aren't our missions now because i found out that i was wrong about things you know like one example of that is you know when i started farm girl it with a very clear goal of helping support American flower farms. Mm-hmm. And we only source domestic grown flowers. And I found that I was completely wrong. Um, it was horrible, not even just from supply wasn't there, but a lot of the American farmers still to this day will not sell to me. And the only reason they won't sell to me that I can come up with is it's because I'm a woman. Cause they sell to all my male counterparts, even younger businesses that are male. 
owned. Wow. But it's a good old boys network. And so, you know, I was fighting so hard and begging people to take my money. And it was horrible, horrible. Like we were going to have to close down because I couldn't get enough supply. And even of the guaranteed, you know, orders that they, they guaranteed us, we were getting 26% of our guaranteed orders. So I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So I was wrong. And so like saying I'm a mission driven business and, you know, my mission is to support American flower farms. And then to find out that that's a, not possible to not wanted, um, it made me feel like I was like failing in a big way. Yeah, I was like, yeah. But I'm, you know, I don't need to be mission driven on this one mission that anybody can pull out of a hat and say, this is our mission. Like I want to be integrity driven and I want it every step of the way. I want to, you know, use really good integrity to make the best decision yep. for our company and our consumers and our vendors and our environment and all of the things that I really care about, you know? So that's a fascinating example um, that, that you just gave. And it's also mind blowing and it's also wrong in so many ways. Um, <laughs> yeah. How, amen. So, yeah. <laughs> amen. so if, if this is, if this is the way that you decided to go and obviously, especially in the beginning in, in, in the, in the first years of your business, I am sure that you very loudly, um, you know, talked about your mission, right? So that, so that people say, yes, mm-hmm. I want to yes. support a, a, a female founded company that supports only American farms. Um, it just makes so much sense and then suddenly you had to pivot and say oh actually it ain't so um a how, how was that being being perceived and was that the beginning of the the transparency and integrity driven where you just say as it is and b where where do you now source your flowers and how does that still um you know fit into your integrity driven business yeah that's a really good question so, yes that was absolutely um it was the scariest moment of my life was when I hit send on the email where I sent a letter out to all of our um, customers and I put it on our social media, like to over, over a million people at that yeah. point um, was really nerve wracking. I was sitting in a hotel room in Las Vegas at a show and I, when I had to send it out and um, it was November, 2016, when I realized that we were not going to make it through another Valentine's day, if I didn't change something, which is only three months away, right? So mm-hmm. um, I had three months to completely change our supply chain sourcing wow. model, and which was hard. So oh I, flew, God, yes. you know, I went down to South America. I went, you know, I, you know, had really great friends in the industry that connected me. You know, I'm, when I would go to and say, like, tell me the most, um, you know, value aligned. Uh, farms that I can work with. And they gave me great names. And I went and um, met with the, those farms and started sourcing internationally and sent that letter on January 25th, 2017. And the fact that I can remember these dates when yeah, I have yeah, so yeah, much yeah. in my head it's shows ingrained. like how yeah, it's ingrained <laughs> in me. So January yeah. 25th was one of the scariest of so 2017 was one of the scariest days of my life. Um, because you're right, we had gotten, you know, almost 10 minutes on the Today Show talking about our local mission. We had, oh my the, God, you yeah. know, we had New York Times. We had like all of these amazing publications that had written stories on us based on this mission of supporting local. And to change that entire story was, was so scary. And oh yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So I just decided after thinking about like, how am I going to do this and researching what other brands do and what other companies do when they need to make a huge pivot like this and really didn't find a whole lot. So then I just thought, okay, what seems right to me is to be honest and transparent and just tell them the why. And I didn't like tell them the full why, because still at that point I had a lot of shame, which I'm 
embarrassed to even admit right now that like, I thought that the reason I couldn't make it work was somehow my fault a, mm-hmm. a bit. And um, now I don't have any of that looking back on it. Um, you know, I've, I have a lot more wisdom now to know like, Hey, you can't, you can't like stop a train as one person if they don't want to stop, you know, yeah, they're just yeah. going to run over you. So um, I, told everybody, I sent out that letter and then I waited and with bated breath. And it was amazing. Like we got hundreds and hundreds of emails back from people saying, you know, thank you for taking the time. Cause it was obviously a very long letter because I don't do anything <laughs> super short. <laughs> um, and that's a wrap for today. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I talk a lot. So, I mean, I explained, you know, where cannabis has been legalized. We can't get enough flowers and people don't want to sell to us. And, you know, I've been told that I just need to slow down our growth in order to let farms keep up. And that's just not a solution for us and all of these things. And just shared that. And people, you know, our, our amazing, you know, customers and fans, they were so supportive and they were just so thankful that we told them the why kind of Simon Sinek style. Like we didn't just pull the wool over their heads or start doing it. Um, And you know, it, that was so amazing to see. And I think that made me even double down, like you said, on the transparency and, and uh, honesty with, with our consumers, because, you know, for them to, to come along with us on this journey, they want to feel a part of it and that they can trust you. And if we're explaining why before we're making a major decision and that it's not that we're like selling out to save a, a dollar, you know, right. Um, we're, we're doing this because we, we need to, in order to stay around, you know, um, then they were very understanding and amazing and so supportive and wonderful. So um, it was, it was a great experience that could have been a horrible experience, Oh yeah, um, yeah. But, but it worked out well. And now where we're sourcing is we're sourcing a lot more internationally um, with, like I mentioned, like cannabis has, has really changed the landscape, especially in California where 80% of the flowers are grown. Um, people don't like to talk about that story, but it's really real. Um, and also I just have to say that the international, we have some really great domestic farms, a, f- a few really amazing domestic farms that we work with and we will always work with them as long as they want to work with us and keep growing flowers. However, the international farms, what I have found is that they just treat us with a respect that we didn't get here um, as mostly females. And it, it's really refreshing to have farm partners that are values aligned and they do amazing things for their teams, like amazing things. And um also want to grow with us and that I don't have to beg them to treat me with respect and take our money. Um, and so I have no qualms because I think like I also vote with my dollars, just like our consumers do. Yeah. And as a company, I don't want to, you know, we still buy from some of the farms that I like one of them, I had to threaten a gender discrimination lawsuit to get them to even sell to us. Wow. And like, I hate that I have to give them money, you know, like I need yeah. their flowers, but the fact that if you have to threaten to sue somebody to get them to sell to you and then you have to give them money, like that's not voting with your dollar, it, you know? Well, and, and actually, you know, to interrupt you here for a second, um, I heard you say on CNN, uh, you know, nonetheless, <laughs> that, <laughs> that you feel it is a tremendous benefit being a female founded company. So this is interesting in context of what you just told us. So something must have flipped around and you, even though you had to go through this, you know, mm-hmm. horrible hardship, which quite frankly was, you know, 
threatening to 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 your you know livelihood at that point. I mean, you know, people who are not entrepreneurs, yeah. they might they might not understand why you say it was the worst day of your life because people say, mm -hmm. well, it was when you got cancer or when something horrible mm -hmm. happened. Like, no, this is this is about existence. This is existential yeah. um, fear, right? Um, yeah. But so you still feel like it's a tremendous benefit being a female found, founded company which which I hope that is true and I love it because I had back to back female founders now for the last couple of episodes um, and I think it is it is more and more the future hopefully but can you expand on that a little bit yeah I think that there are certain things that I feel very um, like I feel that it is a tremendous asset in the flower space or in a creative space because I know what consumers want. So 80% of people that buy flowers are women buying for women, which is crazy to me because I'm the only larger scale female founded e-commerce, like huh. B2C flower company out there. They're all, all male owned. Um, and I think that's a huge asset to me because they, the things that they don't take inspiration from our company on is making the bouquets in-house hmm. and create, you know, like really um, make, making the bouquet special. Um, they, they're amazing at like marketing and technology and things like that, but they're not fixing the real problem, which was ugly flowers in my opinion. So, um, you know, I think as a woman who understands what women want, that's a huge asset. And the fact that my team is over 60% female run as well, like we know what our consumers are going to want and that helps us us where our male owned competitors, I don't think understand that they have to actually make beautiful flowers to get customers to come back at 62% rate like we have, yeah. you know, and to be able to spend less than $10 on customer acquisition cost, you know, because you don't need to keep re, you know, acquiring customers because their last ones are always ticked off that they didn't get a good deal, you know, and they didn't get a great bouquet, you know, right. So, right. Um, so there's things like that, that I think are a tremendous asset to being a woman in this space. I think almost everything else, it's, It, it's harder. I just want to be really honest. It's harder. Like yeah. we've been bootstrapped the whole time, not because we didn't want to raise capital, but because I couldn't raise capital. I've gotten over a hundred no's. Like I have spent uh -huh. 30% of my time for over three years trying to raise capital and finally got to the point where I'm like, I'm not even taking a meeting anymore. Like I'm so tired of spending so much of my time when I have less than a 2% chance of raising capital as a female. Statistically speaking. Yeah. You know? and, and to be fair, this was going, going in two ways against you. One, most likely because you know of, of all of all of the cloud that goes against being a female founder for mm -hmm. sure but on the other hand because you also had had that integrity where you said no yes. i'm not going to go for the bottom line no i'm not going to do a b c d e and after that you know there's the door you know thank you yes. for your time <laughs> absolutely like my my team are all you know full-time with benefits 401k like we're not going to do things just to improve the the bottom line and make everybody you know really right. like independent contractors or you know we're not going to do things like that and so that definitely negatively impacts our bottom line which is not what investors because you know they're looking for a very quick return of we're course. also always going to think at the longer term plan you know like we i make decisions that on this quarterly report would look horrible because it's going to help us next year or the year after you know yeah. and so yeah. I, i'm not going to like play this game of like fudging your numbers just to look good to investors to like you know it's like yeah. i'm looking for the long term plan to build a really viable, sustainable, long-term, really great company that creates really good jobs, non-tech jobs as well. And that's not that attractive to investors that need a really quick turnaround with a 10x 
return, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's lots of reasons that we don't, we don't fit the model and the patterns of what they're looking for. Um, but also as a female, I just unpedigreed female. I don't have any, you know, college degree. I don't, it, um, you know, we're getting the big tech startups before. So I also need to be really realistic about what the, what my outcome and options are are and it's just better to get my 30% of time back and keep growing at 50 to 80% growth year over year like we are every year and yeah. keep doing that by investing our profits back into the company. So and I think I think it is it is the, the right thing and the only the only thing to do today. Um and I I gave a keynote last week uh in in Vegas and um it was it was a group of healthcare staffing um uh you know CEOs and I basically told them what you just you know what you just preached, right? <laughs> that you know there's yeah. a new way of doing business and it's about transparency and it's about solidarity, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um and afterwards there was a big QA and one person said, This is all fine and good, and you're talking about a lot of startups that do that but how could mid-sized companies start to start to to do some of that how can we suddenly turn into a transparent company or how can we suddenly and i think it was a really interesting question right because mm -hmm. if you from the ground up create a company that that is you know that has that at, at, at its roots it's so much easier obviously fortune 500 is good luck but but the small yeah. ones you know the small to mid-sized companies that say hey i i believe in what you say and i would like to do that but how can i do that What what would your thoughts be like? What do you think? How could how could a company that is not built on those values? How could they slowly start to inject those and actually make them actionable? Putting you on the spot totally here because you know what I yeah, was no, put that's on the a spot. Great question. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally karma. I forwarded on. <laughs> <laughs> and good job to the person that asked that question because I think it's a great question. I mean, I've always said that you know one of there's not many moats that we have here at Farm Grill. You can you know our competitors all like order our bouquets, reverse engineer. You know, like they can do whatever they want and they can see all of our packaging that creates this amazing brand and unboxing experience and they can replicate it and you know and they all do. Um, but the thing that they can't replicate is the heart that we put behind it and that really shows and so that's a great question because if you if you know I, I've said that like it's really hard the moat that we have is that it's really hard to make like a pair of low riders into mom jeans you know <laughs> from like a, like, you, like once you're a thing it's hard to like it, it's really hard because the, you know especially if you have people that have been there a long time that this is the way they do things you know I used to work at Stanford University before this and it was like basically a government job is what it felt like where just people had been there forever doing the same thing yeah. over and over and over again and one of the like negative responses I got from a superior, like one of the bad feedback I got from my performance was that I forged ahead too quickly and didn't wait for everybody to catch up. And that was like wow. a negative on my performance. Like, and I, and Congratulations I on your negative. Thinking, that's what I told her. I was like, that's the nicest thing anybody's ever told me, you know, so, which was not the response she wanted. So I think it's really challenging to, especially if people have been there forever, I think it The only thing I can think on the spot that I would probably try if I had that situation where I was going into like a, you know, medium sized company that wanted to become like a farm girl, let's say I'm just going to do it in the flower terms because that's where I'm at. Yeah. And, you know, but they'd already been doing this for 20, 30, 40, whatever years. Um, the way they'd been doing it is I would probably have to create a whole new department with new people um, and to help influence change instead of dictate mm -hmm. change, because otherwise yeah. you're going to blow up your whole culture. Right. Like, right. you know, and so I would have to like, it would have to be a slower process and it'd have to be, it, you know, which I do not do well with actually my team, like the people that come here that need 
to take a long time to analyze, overanalyze everything don't work out here very well because I'm usually like, we're going to try this and we're starting it in two months. Yeah. Like a whole new process for, you know, we did our whole supply chain in three months. We changed, you know, like you have we, to, yeah. Yeah, you have to move so fast here, but at big companies that have already been, or medium-sized companies that have already been around for a long time, I don't think you can move that fast without like really disrupting your culture, unless you need to disrupt your culture, and then maybe you want to, you know? Well, and and I think, you know, it might not even disrupt the culture. It might just, you know, positively color the, the culture in a, in a different way. You know, I, I think that the idea of maybe even starting with operations and slowly adjust yeah. operations to do something better and then have it bubble up to the top so you can actually talk this, talk about the story, because everyone just wants to talk about yeah. the story, right? <laughs> well, and talking about the story, if it doesn't actually, that's, I think, where a lot of the big companies, that's a great point, because, like, where I think see that they where they get called out on their fake authenticity yeah. a lot is because they bring in this like marketing team or, yeah. or an agency right to tell this like really cool hip new story but it's not actually what they're doing exactly so you're right starting with operations and actually changing how they're exactly. doing things and then tell the story afterwards so it is truly authentic and not that they're just trying to be cool you yeah. know yeah yeah yeah. See, see, together we 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 can do this answer really well. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, as we're as we're slowly coming coming towards the end, um, one question I'd like to ask every entrepreneur: What is one word that can describe your brand? If you have to put your entire brand into one word, I call it your brand DNA. How could you sum it up in a word? One word would be heart, definitely, um, and. I think it's on so many different levels. So like everything we do, we do with heart. We say that all the time at Farm Girl. Like we're never going to do the easy wrong. We're always going to do the hard right. And um, we're always going to make sure that everything we do, we're putting our whole heart into. And that's what I think customers relate to. And I, I know that from their feedback to me. Like anytime I'm, you know, I was just, I did a speaking thing this weekend and the people that came up to me afterwards were like talking about their experiences with farm girl and every, this happens everywhere I go. If I'm in a crowd of females anyway, not men, but if I'm in a <laughs> crowd of females, everyone comes up and tells me their personal experience they had with my company and my brand. And it has to do with number one, we're really fortunate that we're celebrating people's life moments, like really important moments in their life, whether they be really amazing and wonderful or really sad too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, they, so we already have that, but then in addition to that, we have, you know, the whole experience of when you receive a farm girl bouquet, it's not just the flowers, it's the whole packaging. It's all the collateral cards as we put an extra, we put like a little enamel pin that has a story with it. Um, usually about my life, uh, you know, like we have one that's a grit pin or be a, be a, uh, workhorse in a sea of unicorns. That's also another one that people love. And a feminist or, pin too, right? Yeah, feminist. We have take the bull by the horns. We have all ones that have like a personal story of like, you know, when you're having a hard day, like put this on, it's going to give you strength. Um, you know, this is about like remembering to do the hard things, even though they're not the fun things or so things good. like that. So we do like these, it's a, it's a definite like whole holistic like story when you get your farm world okay. And they tell me every single feeling they had when they opened every single part of the collateral and they tell me about how you know the flowers made them feel and feel loved and special and I think that you know that heart that we put into it shows and and um kind of like transfers to the person who gets it and I think that's really special that we get to do that we get to you know be um such we get to show people that they're loved and 
and that they're special and mm-hmm. make them feel even more so in what we bring to them. The heart that we put into it shows that's your perfect Valentine's Day message. <laughs> yeah, totally. We're shooting that this week, so I'm going to go tell them after this. <laughs> that's right. So, so after after everything you you have self taught yourself about about branding, um, and and obviously it, it it works and it comes from within and it, it, it's intrinsic. Um, and of course now you know you've got all kinds of data and you know there's so much more to it. I'm sure. Um, but at this scale that you're working at today, but. What does what does branding mean to you today? You know, we don't have all the fancy tools that a lot of companies have, and I don't think I want them, honestly, a little bit, because I yeah. like um, just being able to feel uh, things. I like being able to um, think about things and ask our customers. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm just taking like industry data and being like, well, you know, everyone's saying, you know, this is what consumers are wanting now and stuff. I want to be able to like keep that connection with our customers that then influence what, you know, who we become as a brand too. And um, I think that branding to me, number one, it's my favorite thing about what I do. Absolute favorite (laughs) thing about what I do is the brand that we get to create um, because I feel like it's kind of like a love letter a little bit. um, And we get to, to show our, emotions and our heart on our sleeve to people. And I think that that's really amazing. And I love doing that. Um, So it's my favorite part. I also think it's probably the most important thing about what we do. Like, you know, I don't ever want to, you know, create a company that doesn't have that, that doesn't have heart that I'm, you know, I use this a lot, but like, you know, I never wanted to create like a company that sold toilet paper. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Oh, you never know. There could be yeah, toilet I mean, paper sold with heart. It could be. It could be. I've seen some recent ones. I'm like, well, that's a good idea with toilet paper. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just wanted something that I personally could create a brand around yeah. and create love around and um, connect with people about. And so I I think that that's what brand is. It's really like it's it's showing your your heart and showing on your sleeve a bit and connecting with your customers. That's beautiful. It's it's so it's so true. It's so true, especially with today's um, today's companies. Uh, I do have one last question because I'm sure everyone yep. uh, listening would have that same question. What's your PR secret? <laughs> you have been <laughs> you have been on CNN. You have been on hitting the mark. Okay, okay, maybe that not. But but seriously, you, you've been Fast Company, Vanity Fair, Vogue, and anything in between. Was it hiring yeah. the perfect PR agency or just hustling your way in by using your unique story? I mean, both are both are very difficult. You know. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's that we have a good story and, uh, we photograph really well because flowers photograph really well, which is really (laughs) lucky for us, but it is having a great PR agency too. We have a a phenomenal one in New York, Jennifer Beck communications that I can't say enough about. And they're wonderful. And they work with us on like what we want our, our story to be out there and who we want to be telling it. And so, um, they've been wonderful to work with. So it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely, not all people think that we're just lucky and it's free and everything, but we put a lot into it. Oh, too. I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was, that was of great. Course. Listeners, it is yeah. money. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. That too. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, listeners who fell in love with your brand uh, just, just now, where, where can they get some farm girl flowers for the holidays? Well, thank you for asking. That's a great question. Well, you <laughs> didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, Farmgirlflowers.com um, on our website. And then we also ask that you just follow us, um, follow along with our journey 
journey on Instagram and Facebook too. If you want to see more behind the scenes every day, we like to to show you how we're making each bouquet and um, fun things about our company there as well. And I think you have 133,000 followers. Is that correct? Um, or is I it 311 like, now? Yeah, One I think we're three other. something there on um, Instagram and probably about the same on Facebook. I think it, like overall, it's like a, a little over a million between all the channels. That's awesome. That's really, That's really cool. amazing. Congratulations on everything. I, I, I'm so thrilled that you were able to share your, your insights and your, your story with us on, on the show. I know you have a jam-packed uh, schedule, so we really appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking about this. I don't often get to talk about brands, so this was, this was really refreshing and wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Christina. Awesome. Thank you, Fabian. Christina Stemble the widely admired founder of the quickly growing Farm Girl brand. I told Jesse, our creative lead at my brand consultancy, Finian, who I just got off a call with, and she freaked out. So, yes, this fandom is real. And after this conversation, we all know why. As of this episode, I am thrilled to announce new ways of supporting the show while gaining brand-building insights from myself, our tribe, and some very special guests. You can support Hitting the Mark as a sustaining member by giving $5.95 a month. Or for $15.95, you can join the Creative Brand Mentorship Circle where you will hop in a monthly group call with myself and gain access to a private Facebook group where we discuss brand strategy and design offerings amongst creative business owners, which many of you have taken advantage of. New to the tiers is the Entrepreneur Brand Mentorship Circle for $25.95 a month, where I will guide you through your brand journey on monthly group calls while you'll be able to discuss your company's hurdles with fellow entrepreneurs in a private Facebook group. Or last but not least, and I am super excited about this, you can support the show at a $49.95 level and become part of the Golden Brand circle. This will allow you to be mentored by the amazing founders that I have on this very show. So every two months, we will get on a 30-minute call where a select group will be able to ask for personal brand advice from one of these unbelievably inspiring and knowledgeable entrepreneurs that already did it all for you. And you and I are able to hop on a one-hour consultation call once a year or meet face-to-face -face when you're in L.A. Of course, you will also automatically join the Entrepreneur Brand Mentorship Circle on that level. I am super excited about these ways of giving you incentives that will pay off multifold for you while making the show sustainable and community-supported. So head on over to hittingthemarkpodcast.com and hit the support button or go to patreon.com and search for the show. I thank you in advance and can't wait to meet you in one of the groups. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark. <laughs>